Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Hey, how's it going, everyone? Thank you so much for listening to the Go Long podcast with myself and longtime NFL exec Jim Monis. We wrap up week four of the NFL season on this episode, and you can catch the uh, bonus app uh, for Buffalo Bills talk. We kind of broke that part of the discussion off and just wanted to let everybody know we are now fueled by Fatty Beer Company. Uh, be sure to head on into Fatty in Orchard Park, Hamburg, Kenmore, Ellicottville, you name it. There are locations throughout Western New York and even Columbus, Ohio. So uh, get out in there, see what kind of beers they have. There is something for everybody. And these beers are from all across the country. Cannot recommend Pulp Daddy enough right now. The IPA, one of the best IPAs going. So uh, thank you so much to Fatty. And as always, be sure to read the morning after column at golongtd.com to see when we will be recording live at one of the Fatty locations. We want our subscribers to come on out have a beer or two with us. So that is coming up very soon. Also, it's a good time to order the blood and guts. Just head on over to my Twitter bio, uh, at Ty Dunn, right there on the pinned tweet. You can get the blood and guts 30% off in a signed book plate. I cannot tell you enough how much fun this book was to, to report on, to write, traveled around the country, uh, hanging out with all of these tight ends to really see how they save football, the football that we all live, eat, breathe, sleep. It's all right there at the tight end position. And really all these guys, they tell us so much about life too. So I think you're all going to love it. Uh, You can take advantage of that deal through October 11th. So be sure just to follow that link. 12 Publishing, our publisher, uh, they are behind this deal. So, hey, check out other books that 12 is putting out as well. And cannot thank all of you enough for listening, reading. Without further ado, here is our week four wrap-up podcast. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. This is the Go Long Podcast. I'm Tyler Dunn here with Jim Monis for week four, week four wrap-up podcast. Uh, as always, we are doing this one remote. Uh, we slept on it. You know, I think the first couple weeks we did it like late at night. 
my energy was, was pretty low. I was low energy Tyler Dunn there after uh, week two, you know, in Pittsburgh. So, hey, decided, you know what? Let's get that right and done. And we'll come into the podcast fresh, ready to deliver some takes that uh, were in the oven through the night. So hopefully it makes for a better recap. I think it will. I think last week was good. What do you think, Jim? I, I see it in you. Um, I, I noticed, see, with me, we could do it at, you know, at night after those games, cause I'm on a mental, just my mind is going all over the place from the day of gambling and watching football. Now we're the day after I'm still fired up. So <laughs> I'm good either way. If this works better for you, I love it. Cause I, the gambling, here's how it works as a sports gambler. Your Sunday night, you're heated. It's just like if you lose, think about after you lose a game, they always tell you, don't do the, pre- you know, if you can, don't do a press conference right after the game, right? It, it's, you're going to say things that you're a little heated. Take time. That's to the best. Down. That's the best time for press Sunday night. In open locker rooms. Well, honestly. Me, yeah. So Sunday nights can, yes. And at this point, I'm not a player and I'm not in the NFL. So I can be honest, Sunday night or Monday morning. But um, it, it's better. I have noticed when you do calm down a little, things make it like I was ready to, you know, I was ready to never, ever talk about Dan Campbell again, Ron Rivera. I had some issues from yesterday. We'll get into it. But after I slept on it, I have to take a breather. I'm not as angry as Dan Campbell. I'm angry at somebody else on his staff. But to your point, it's hard sometimes at night. That's a long day for all of us. Yeah, I feel like a lot of it has to do with being a dad, too. Like, back in college... Well, I didn't want to get into all that, was, too. I didn't want to get into different. all that. I mean, I worked it's at the school newspaper, and we, we'd be there at the Daily Orange till 3, 4 a.m., and it was like, you wake up, go to class, after a few hours of sleep, your, your body just kind of gets used to that schedule, where now, you know, when you're up at 4 and change in the morning with kids, like, if you stay up till 1, 2 a.m., you're pr- probably going to be in rough shape. For the rest yeah, of the you're day. cheating yourself because you're. Uh, that happens to me too, where I'm cheating. I feel like the longer I stay up, I'm cheating myself of sleep because I. You just never know when they're going to wake up. You you hope, you hope, or you have issues with your dog, like we had here in Boston, I, New York. Tyler, talk about at four thirty a.m. Oh my God, Jim! All that's right, why I, I don't have. Pe- that's I why, why I don't talk don't about football, pe- so I'll keep it short. All right, All right. yeah. Four right. thirty, I hear. Uh, I hear Gina yell from the basement and I, I didn't know what the hell was wrong. I, did we have an intruder? Like what, what's going on here? Nope. Just uh, worse. Actually, <laughs> Ed Edmund COVID boy, Covey dingus, you know, he's got several names uh, was sprayed by a skunk. So we had a word of warning from our neighbor. Our neighbor texted me the day before said said she had seen a skunk walking about uh, we're kind of hugged up against the woods here, so we get critters all the time, deer, what have you, but a skunk was a first, and yeah, that skunk found Ed, sprayed him good, right across the face, and it is that smell, man, that smell, when you have a dog that's sprayed by a skunk, it it hits you like a, a hurricane across the face of just filth, awful, and I thought the tomato juice thing was the secret, right? Like, you, so I'm ready to, it's 4.35 a.m. I'm like, I'm trying to find anything that's open at 24-7. We've got two, two kids that are crying. They don't know what the hell is going on. Ed is scared to death, and he's stinking up the whole house. Oh. So I, I book it. I'm leaving the house, and as 
I'm driving. I try to find a 7-Eleven. I'm in the parking lot. I look, I, I, I'm like, yeah, let me just Google tomato juice. It's, a ho- it's, it's all a myth. It's a hoax. Like it, people think tomato juice works for pets sprayed by yeah. skunks, but it does nothing. So long story short, hydrogen peroxide mixed with baking soda, mixed with dish soap. It worked to a degree. He still kind of stinks. I've been told it's a process. Um, yeah, if you see a skunk, maybe uh, set up some traps. Some have a heart traps if you if you want. Well, no, because then they'll spray you. Yeah, I don't know. Just take these skunks down one way or another. I have a conspiracy theory. Oh. I think you did this. I think you set this up so to try to get Gina to not want a second dog. <laughs> I wish I was that diabolical. Actually, I, I know you. I like. I don't it. think anybody would go to. No, I'm kidding. But there's no way. There's no way anybody would do that to themselves to go to the store at 4:30 a.m. looking for tomato juice and kids are crying and. But that'll wake you up in a hurry. Like that wakes you up faster than any cup of coffee. Just I will chaos. say, I, I've had pets. Um, not usually it's not my choice. I'm not against it. It's usually my significant other's choice, but, um, they're a lot, they're a lot. And it's why I never personally could handle, I could never as a scout, like when I was traveling a lot in the NFL, I couldn't have a pet. Yeah. So, but I have, it's why stuff like that makes me, you just talk, you know, you convince me if I ever did think about, I I know they bring a lot of joy and I do love, I do love their loyalty and they're awesome. But I couldn't, I couldn't have handled what you just went through. That would have been rough for me. It's honestly, it's, uh, it's the best. We love Ed. He's yeah, part of our family. And like, I already shudder to think no like the emotions whenever. You like know. you would do, it's just like your kid. You would do anything for Ed, for your kids. Oh, yeah. 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 I want to blast that skunk. How dare that skunk attack That's skunks. Ed. I agree with you. Well, there's no need to do it. Absolutely not. Absolutely. You know, another myth I think is peeing on people when they get stung by a jellyfish. <laughs> I have never heard that one. <laughs> you didn't leave at the beach. Who started that yeah. one, R. Kelly? No. <laughs> Look at you. See, you are a night's rest does you wonders. You're on but your game. At the same time, we make R. Kelly jokes because that was a fun joke when R. Kelly, that, that, when that's the worst that we thought R. Kelly was to humanity, right. peeing on people. Right. Now, right. you know, he's about a million times worse than that. I don't know if I can we really don't want, right. reference. Right. It's like when are jokes to, I don't know. Yeah, we'll edit that one out. Not really. All right, let's talk some football. Week four in the NFL, Jim Monas, where shall we begin? So, Tyler, week four used to be when it was a 16-game schedule. You know, we would officially say, I didn't hear a lot about this until I was with the Saints and Sean Payton, but, you know, they talk about four quarters of a season, right? Uh, 16 games. So after week four, you kind of just take a breather. Where are we at? It's like, to me, I always compare it to the first quarter of a football game, right? Like, that's what, how they do it. If you're losing, if you're one and three, okay, we're scared, but let's, it's not over. Let's, let's get a game plan. Let's battle back. Two and two, let's go. We're right where we need to be. Three and one, you're feeling good. Um, interesting though. I do think after week four, you, you, it's time now to, I think we can tell, get a feel for where this thing might be going, who's concerned, who's not. So that's, that's kind of where I'm at now thinking about things. I'm curious to hear your thoughts. Um, yesterday I thought opened me, opened my eyes to some things. Um, I don't know where you want to start what game, uh, 
But that Jets Steeler game, go ahead. Yeah, you could start. No, I was just going to start there because you you made this point last week on how coaches, especially like experienced coaches like Mike Tomlin, operate in quarters. So, you know, we can take coaches at their word at press conferences if you want. Mike Tomlin has been banging the table that Mitchell Trubisky is his starter, the captain. The captain. captain. I don't know if his captaincy remains. Um after getting pulled, but you know, more than words at a podium, what matters is action is your play. And you made this point, like a quarter into the season right here is where you would maybe make that move where you know, you're one in three, you know, the season's not completely lost. You're going to get yeah. TJ Watt back. It's not all on Trubisky, right? Matt Canada and this offense stale, stale. I don't know if you call it Juju Smith Schuster's quote um, to NBC. They, they mentioned it on the broadcast, him saying how he had, He's learned more from Andy Reid in a few months than he learned from the Steelers in a few years offensively. So there might be some bigger problems kind of seeped in to all things Steelers and moving the ball down the field offensively. But they had to do something, right? It, Trubisky just wasn't wasn't I, cutting it. And you drafted a quarterback in the first round to, to play him. You know, first round quarterbacks, they, they, they just don't sit, really, unless you're uh, so Jordan Love about, will take the yeah. NFL over in 2023. Well, we had talked about Pickett before the season started. Remember, we, we had said because he had that big preseason and we said, should they should they just do it right now? And we both said, why not? Just start. Him. But they invested in Trubisky. This was their plan. I'm sure it was. Hey, let's 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 regroup. After, let's get, let's see how Trubisky does first four games. They see it. But to me, I'm, I'm with you. It's not all on Trubisky because I think we all know he's obviously a good backup at this point. Um, but the offense looked the same with Roethlisberger. This thing hasn't changed, and there's no running game anymore. Uh, or not, There's no running game that would scare another team. So it's not all Trubisky. There's a lot more involved in this. But that to hear Juju say that, you know, that, that's interesting because when you watch those two teams, it makes sense. It's like one team is like innovative – I mean, we've watched, you've watched every, all the Chiefs stuff over the years with Mahomes because we're fascinating. But the design of their offense is fascinating. You don't see other teams running the plays they run. I mean, now, obviously, they can get away with a lot because they have, you know, the right. greatest one or two, three, you know, the greatest quarterback maybe ever. But, man, the Steelers, though, that to me was a sign. And, and we're going to talk about this. I thought Zach Wilson looked terrible. And they just and the Jets that. just won in Pittsburgh with a second-year quarterback who is is a, he's a he's a ways away. I mean, who looks better to you, count. Pickett or Wilson? Say it again. Who looks better to you, Pickett or Wilson? Uh, I, that's you know what I've got to be fair because I've seen Wilson play more. Yeah. So at this point, I think I might want to roll with Pickett just because I'm kind of on the. I'm almost off the with Zach Wilson, I, and I don't like doing that because you, quarterbacks take time. So let's give him the whole process. I mean, he's coming off an injury, so I don't want to rush to judgment on Wilson yet because we do we we know that I'm going to do my quotes, the air quote thing, but we know the arm strength and the athleticism, blah blah blah. Man, there's more to the position than that. It, it's about accuracy, quick quick raise accuracy, and I don't. I still see the chaos in Zach Wilson's game that I saw last year. Now that was just his first game this year against a good defense. So I don't want to. I don't want to write him off yet. 
Pickett, Pickett didn't blow me away. Did he blow you away yesterday? Pickett? No. Well, I think, you know, I mean, obviously the stat line is damning. It, it doesn't tell the whole story. He, it doesn't, like, like we know. Like we know. As we, yeah. If you actually watched it, I, it felt like there was just, but I, I think you, you saw the effect you get anytime you put a backup quarterback in. A little more energy, a little more hope in the air, a little louder atmosphere at home. That, that this is what the fans wanted. I mean, he played college ball at Pitt. He ran. He didn't run for a couple touchdowns. So I don't know. I don't know if he's good. I don't know if he's bad. I just know they they they, they had to do this. We don't need to know yet. That's not up for anybody to know yet because we didn't know on Josh Allen for the first two years. So yeah, that's why you got it. You really do have to be patient. And you know we're in such a. But I think it's. I think what makes it hard with Josh Allen, it was hey. We you saw enough that there's something there, and and you kept building, and he and the consistency finally happened. Where with Wilson and Pickett, you're going to want to see some signs, you know, like okay, hey, we've seen enough that we know we can keep building this guy. And I think that's what happens with a guy like Trubisky, where hey, we've been. It's almost like we've seen this enough now. Like in Chicago, in here, there's one common theme. He's not he's not going to light people up. That's just not, but once again, don't want to blame all Trubisky because this, this offense has looked like this now for three years. I think that in the bigger point here, and maybe, maybe I should write about this too. It's probably worth a trip to Pittsburgh. Organizationally, it feels like the Steelers just have to once and for all, like rip a bunch of band-aids off, go young, figure out your young nucleus and move forward right they, they're it's, so good at staying competitive and hovering around 500 right Mike Tomlin's never finished below 500 that's that that stat says everything about how good of a coach he is incredible stat incredible stat but you can't be afraid of taking a step back to take a step forward I mean the bills 100 agree like like you you live that world I, and trying to make well, that was, decision we were we had talked I mean yes you can talk about it and you have to organizationally be on the same page to do that. And that's hard for a Super Bowl champion like Mike Tomlin and the whole organization to realize, does Tomlin have that kind of energy? I mean, here's the other hard part for Tomlin. That defense is legit and that's his baby. And they have, they have some of the best players in the NFL on that side of the ball. You've done enough story. You've done stories on all of them. Like they are that worthy. They're worthy of that. They're that special player. So as a coach and a GM, you're sitting there looking at the defense saying we have a Super Bowl caliber defense with a bottom five offense. I hate, I mean, there's no other way to say it. Why the defense didn't look good though. One but they're sack. not now, now no, no Watt, Watt. No Watt. Does that mean that does that make that big of a difference too? There's a lot of issues in Pittsburgh, and to your point, that made that maybe that's the route they should have discussed a little bit more. Instead of thinking Trubisky can, yeah, Trubisky and Pickett can get this thing fixed this year. I, I think if I'm Watt the, and Minka Fitzpatrick and Cam Hayward, I'd be looking around like, we don't want to waste years here. What's the plan? At the same time, I think they're going to look back at whatever it was, October 2nd, and say, all right. Biting the bullet on that day and, and just rolling with Pickett is what we had to do. Go you had to do. Like, otherwise, what, what are you do. trying to do? Exactly. They'll wipe that. Let's, hey, first quarter, done. Let's not even think about it. Let's move forward. They, they, they'll do that. 
Yeah. I mean, hey, I, I thought that Trubisky would, was going to play better. Right? I thought he played there functional. I always thought Steelers. Trubisky was, at this point, was functional. This is the word I use with him. Yeah. Hard even. But and what about You know what I do like about Pickett is he's giving these big receivers a shot. Like, even the first throw of his career – that shouldn't have been a pick. Obviously, Claypool, it's in his hands. Like he, he could have made out that there. play. When you've got talented dudes out there that are six Claypool five, Claypool didn't judge that right. He wasn't able to. He he didn't track that correct. Like he wasn't able to use his length to his advantage on that. I agree with you. He could have made that play. And once again, we had talked about this last week, where Trubisky does not give guys chances. He yeah. throws the ball out of bounds. Like everything is toward the sideline. Very yeah, little always, in the middle of the always. Field. So yeah, pick it. And it's going to give the team, like, it does give the team a shot of life. I mean, okay, hey, we know that the the front office, the head coach, backed this quarterback. that We took him in the first round. Let's get behind him. Now, on the defensive side, as professionals, you try to raise your game even more because, you know, you have a rookie. And, hey, we know we need to, we need to cause turnovers. We need to – whatever it takes at this point to get this thing right. But it's going to be hard. That The AFC, we talked about it so much, but. I'm sorry. We're sitting here talking about Trubisky, Pickett, Zach Wilson. This is bottom barrel. This is bottom barrel in the AFC quarterback. Because there is high, high level underdogs. To your point, 14 point underdogs against Josh Allen's Buffalo Bills Sunday. 14 point underdogs for a Pittsburgh Steelers team. As we're talking, I'm locking that in before that thing goes down because that's that's a magic number. I'll take I'll take fourteen with just about anybody. I just can't see. God, would they really hit rock bottom to that degree? I know it's on the road. They they just beat Buffalo last year. Yeah, I was going to say that, but that was with TJ Watt on the field too. <laughs> Is Watt coming back? I don't think so. Right, you never know with the Watts, but that's a. Pretty serious. We, too much, we may spend a little too much time on that, but I felt like I felt like I wanted to address that Steeler team. That that's a I know right now as an organization, as a Pittsburgh proud organization, to lose to the Jets at home on a game that the Jets really didn't. I mean, they weren't that great. To lose that game, that's a that's an eye opener in in the building. Like whoa, where where. Like to use, how have we fallen? We're 14 point underdogs against a team we just beat last year. So, man, that's now you got me thinking. That's why I love doing this podcast too. It just gets, it gets some story ideas flowing. I, I think that people, even if you're not a Steelers fan, what a fascinating juncture in this franchise history, right? As they Agreed. go into Buffalo now. I took, that's what I took. That, that's a lot of, that we'll keep talking about this, but yesterday was opening my eyes to some things. With, with organizations, because yeah. I think they need to start being held accountable a little bit to the players. Agreed. Not to the end of fans, but to the players. I mean, you, the, those guys on defense in Pittsburgh, they're, they're given they're, – they're, they're not young. Cam Hayward, they're not, he's not young. I know. No, Fitzpatrick and T.J. Watt are still young, but those guys want to win now. Should we just talk about the Steelers for a couple hours? Is that what everybody wants out there? Well, I tell you, we've done a good job of last year. I felt like the first year we did Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers to death. Now we're doing Steelers and, oh, let's do the Detroit Lions. (laughs) Let's talk about those Detroit Lions. All right, here's the Lions in a nutshell, right? I I don't want to – well, they're they're number one on offense. 
statistically points per game, 35 points per game, four games in. Dead last on defense, 35.3 points allowed per game. Here's here's their offensive production through four games. 35 points, 386 yards. 36 points, 425 yards. 24 points, 416 yards. And then on Sunday evening against your Seattle Seahawks, 45 points, 520 yards. This is with, like, injuries galore, by the way. I mean, they've been without their interior on the offensive line at times. Um, they've been without De- DeAndre Swift got banged up early. He didn't even play yesterday. And the game before that, he was not himself. Uh, they didn't have they didn't have a, Amon Ross St. Brown this past game or DJ Shark. They're down to Josh Reynolds and DJ Hawkinson. Jared Goff is lighting it up. The offensive line is doing exactly what they detailed in our series. They are just breaking people. It doesn't matter who's out there. That line is legit. They built up there. You can't point the finger at this offense whatsoever. Yet they're one and three. All those numbers being said, they're one and three because their defense cannot stop a nosebleed. Jim, I mean Aaron Glenn, former Jets cornerback, is the coordinator. You know, going into the season, he was considered this, you know, head coach candidate possibility, rising star. I don't know. A lot of those lists kind of make the rounds, and you wonder like how these lists are are made. I, I don't know what constitutes like a rising star from a not rising star assistant coach. What have you? He's on those lists and now he could be out of a job soon. I would think. So, so Dan Campbell and Glenn were in New Orleans together. Okay. This is now Dan Campbell. This is going to be a tough one for Dan Campbell. You've invested in the defense a little bit, right? They just drafted the DN from Michigan Hutchinson. He's going to have a tough decision. Um, you're going to have to fight. Sean Payton had to do this, where when he got his job first crack in New Orleans, he brought in Gary Gibbs as the defensive coordinator from um, Dallas. He, they worked together in Dallas. Very much, very respected guy. Great coach, too, I thought. But it didn't, wasn't working on defense. Coach Payton fired him. It's not easy. You know, you have a relation, a professional relationship. I never know how tight any of these guys are off the off the field or just like any job, right? You know, but professional. That's it's going to be hard. But Dan Campbell is probably going to have to because at some point, you know, you're going to have to. It it's you know we know the coordinators are always the scapegoat. It's always the first fire, right? Because the next one's going to be you. So get whatever you want to do, your Aaron Glenn. Be careful because the next one's going to be looked at at you. But they're one in three. And they, I still don't believe that they can win or get to a championship or with Jared Goff. I don't see that. Um, but the numbers offensively are staggering right now. They really are. Now, there are some fake stats I thought early in the season where I didn't I, – that I graded Goff. I didn't grade him the last two games, but he wasn't – he was putting up stats, but it was fake. It was fake. Hey, I'm done with golf. I don't want to talk about golfing. Well, that's why I, it's your it's your anti golfite bias. No, he's fine. Pollute, he's fine. He's polluting and diluting a, a perfectly good argument. I would rather have golf than Zach Wilson and uh, Pickett right now, but um, that's saying a lot. Golf, golf looks great Sunday. He can be so. He looks better against Seattle than Russell Wilson. I'll tell you that. I compared him. I compared him. When I actually, when we first started, I give you credit because you were, you know, you were, 
I was a little hard on golf, but I, you know, but when you really study him and watch, he does have games. I, I compared him to Greg, that old, the old Braves pitcher, Greg Maddox, um, who isn't going to blow you away with the fastball, but you're not, I mean, he is so accurate that it can drive, like it can, golf has that in him sometimes when he gets in a groove with his accuracy, it's mm-hmm. scary, but he's so limited with his athleticism and lack of arm. His arm's good enough. It's not bad, but you see it show up when, and it's most quarterbacks, but whenever he faces pressure, it just, you can't, he can't, he doesn't have a, he can't combat pressure. Like how do you counter, how does golf counter when a defense is going to get through that offensive line? Well, that's the thing. They just won't, the offensive line will just block everybody and they'll never be. A they have, they have the most indestructible. <laughs> they have built the greatest. They built the wall. They built the and wall. One and Green Bay is going to pay for it. Greatest offensive line, greatest quarterback near one and three. And you just lost to the worst. Don't get me started. You just lost to Seattle. And the reason I'm really upset is because I had that as a last leg of a money line parlay. Detroit just needed to beat Seattle for me to hit that parlay. Not that anybody cares about that, but that's why I'm a little angry. But Seattle is bad on offense. I'm looking at Detroit's roster on defense, and you mentioned Hutchinson. He's unquestionably a at absolute worst. He'll be solid. This will I agree with you. I agree. That's a good way to say it. That's a good way to say it. Um, beyond him, I mean, Charles it's Harris not, considered a semi revelation last year. No, but, is that the Charles Harris from uh, Missouri? Right? No, not he can't. Play. We we weren't big fans of him coming out of the draft. He he's not the answer. That's what I was gonna say. Is it's it, it strikes me as a guy where. You know, he's got one sack this year. He had seven and a half last year, but he bounced around Miami to Atlanta before that. You know, if a guy's in the league five years, you probably have a good idea of what he is as a player. Maybe he was a little overvalued as like the team's preeminent edge rusher. Like if that's who you're relying on to get pressure, not a good thing. Same thing on the back end, right? I mean, Mike Hughes was a bust in Minnesota. You know, he didn't exactly have, much support from his head coach, obviously, um, but it's he a wasn't patchwork defense. I agree with you. I'm looking. I'm really studying. It's a patchwork defense. You're right. Jeff Okuda's played pretty well. I like him. I, I just, he's a, okay. So I was just thinking. I was looking at this. So really, I don't know. Maybe so they brought Brockers in. They had familiarity with Brockers. He's on the tail end. Charles Harris, no. The D line. The D line's not good. Linebackers, Anzalone, they brought him in because they were familiar with him from New Orleans. Um, he's a high effort player, but he's not he's not overly talented. Um, no, the secondary is patchwork. They have issues on that defense side. It's not all the coordinator's fault. That's the thing. You know, it's not all on Aaron Glenn. Somebody will be held accountable. But this is for for better and worse. I mean, to change the Detroit Lions they needed to change the way this is what players told me when I was out there how how you think in the fourth quarter when things are falling apart and everything's going wrong how do you just remove that gloom remove that doom? well the way that they've kind of removed that gloom and doom is just by getting rid of a lot of players I mean the team that they inherited Dan Campbell came right out and said we're not afraid to play rookies we want to play rookies They're, they're the they were the youngest team in the NFL last year Depending on what you look at, they were either the first or the second youngest team this year. So you've got first and second year players everywhere, unproven, but they're blank slates. 
and they wanted that blank slate. Psychologically, they value just, this is how we're going to build it. This is what we want you to believe in. There's a lot of good that comes with that. You know, an offense that is lighting it up and an offensive line that is just the embodiment of every Dan Campbell press conference. The bad is you just don't have a lot of talent on defense. Really, there's just not many good players. I don't know. I mean, new coordinators aren't going to change that, but they're going to have to do something if if it keeps up. And then you just keep getting high picks and you hope these guys develop. Think about this headache, though, that you have right now if you're the GM, Brad Holmes, in Detroit. You, you, you've built some things, right? Offense right now looks good. But is the quarterback good enough? Yeah. So you're sitting there. Well, we're, of course. We're sitting here, so we're sitting here banging. This is where Super Bowl quarterbacks. This is where study the stats comes into play, though. Your defense stinks. Okay, so you know you have to address that as the GM. The defense is not good. The quarterback, you could say what you want about these stats. Is he the guy that can get you to where you want to go? Now, that's they they know that more than we will, obviously. Is he getting done what they want to get done? And the, the points look good, but is it real? You know, are these stats real? Are the, is the scoring real? Is Jared Goff real? And that's the first question you have to ask if you're Brad Holmes because – Number one question. Because, look, your defense is going to need to be completely retooled, reworked. But, but, don't, but to retool it, to, to fix the defense and stick with golf. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, or exactly. what they could do is, you know, depending on their draft pick and their options at quarterback – Obviously, every team desires to be in that position like that, that Philly's in right now, where you've got a quarterback on a rookie deal, and then you can just go sp- Jacksonville, spend money on all these other players. That's probably where Detroit wants to get to rebuild their defenses. Somehow get out of that golf contract at some point, have a rookie quarterback, and then go buy a bunch of players on defense. I mean, but that, would they run a counter to what you're building in, in the sense, too? Like, you're, you better a- know what you're bringing in. I don't know what I don't know what they're going to do. I guess I'm just thinking out loud. Like their their offense is plenty good, but Jared Goff right now they they are scoring more points than anybody in the NFL. Is it though? Is it because a lot of those points came when they were in getting blown out early in the season? There, you know what I'm saying. They really need to they need to really decide on the quarterback. Yeah, and then they can, well, and then that will, that will determine the rest of their. Play. I, I gosh, I can't remember how his contract is structured, but yeah. very soon they can get out of it. And I think barring a miracle, right, barring a total renaissance, they're going to get out of that contract at their first opportunity if the, if the hit's not overwhelming. I would think. And then they'll they'll be okay. Yeah, they'll figure that out. But then that's if you can get cheap at that position, it's going it to seemed- open up a lot. I felt like when Anthony Lynn left Detroit, I felt like there was a, there there was blame placed on him a little bit and the quarterback. Mm -hmm. I felt like Detroit was setting it up that golf was, you know, stop gap. He's going to get us through to our next guy. I felt like they didn't really believe that he was the, you know, the guy. I don't know at this point. I mean, they need to really, I mean, like I keep saying, but that's going to be their number one thing. Is, is he – are they going to commit to him and then build a defense? I know my answer. I don't think he's got. Yeah, I, I still think that they draft a quarterback next year some, somehow. 
free agent. Just, They're going to have to philosophically just makes sense to yeah. go that direction. Yeah. I think in, when you look at it and it goes, it always goes back to when you watch all the other games. It does. But I do think that there's still a lot you can take from the offense's start. I mean, when you're moving the ball mm. at will, despite all these injuries, I think that does say more about what they're building on offense than it does about the quarterback play. I, I do think other quarterbacks could be in the situation because the situation around Jared Goff, even, even with the injuries is, is, is pretty good because that line is the best in football and that you can feed, you can play off that running game. Like I picture if Daniel Jones was in Detroit, I still don't, I don't think they're putting up these numbers to, to give you, to, to back your point up with like golf. I think golf can, is getting done. You know, he's, they're maxing golf out. So I just looked it up on spot track. Um, good buddy. Mike Gennetti lives here in Western New York, runs this fantastic website for those who didn't he know. He runs that website. Yeah. I ran into him at spot coffee a few weeks ago. It's a great, great website. Oh, he's, He's built a he's built an empire, um, and I want to look it up his Twitter here just so people can uh, can follow yeah, him. That's, so he is your football yeah, fan. At, there's oh, it's just at Spot Track, yeah, Mike Chinetti. So he uh, notes on Jared Goff's contract. It, 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 they do have an out after this after the season with just a ten million dollar dead dead cap. Um, which seems reasonable, right? That's why I say barring. Barring Jared Goff, like taking this team to the playoffs, winning a playoff game, putting up great numbers, which he has great numbers right now. It's uh, I think everybody would, would, would kind of agree with what you're saying here, Jim. And well, how did the bills, how did the bills handle that um, with Tyrod? It's a good point. A lot of it does depend on what is, the draft position and who do you draft like in position, that draft? Who quarterbacks are? Yes, all that goes into play. They weren't going to take Malik Willis, you know, second overall in this draft. It was just a weak draft for the quarterbacks. Yeah, so it, you, it was yeah, smart to just roll with golf. Can't force it. Can't force it. They play the Patriots in Foxborough this weekend. I mean, two desperate one and three teams. That's Does a lead us good into game to game? watch. Let's lead. Let's that leads us right into the Patriot Packers. Let's do it. It was a. Uh, we see these games out of Bill Belichick. I know that. I, I don't know what the final line was. It was double digit, right? They were double digit underdogs at Lambeau. This is why that game was shaky. That, this game was fishy to me all week. It, it hovered. It stayed at like nine and a half. It didn't hit that. Nobody was real willing to commit to the ten. Because that's how once you see it go to ten, that means you're like. I'm all in on the Patriots. Like if you get yeah. to that 10, 10 and a half, everybody's taking it. They kept it at nine and a half, which kept, it kept me looking at that game. I wanted no part of it because something was telling me. And then I looked at the number, everybody was talking, taking green Bay, right? Hoyer's playing. There's no difference between Hoyer and Mac Jones. That doesn't, that doesn't affect them. So. And you got the old like, zaps coming in. So anyway, point being is that was a, that they're, Vegas knew that the Patriots were going to hang around in that game. Green Bay's not ready to blow teams out yet, I don't think. Which is fine. I think that this no, is that's the what I'm saying. Game. They're 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 learning. They're learning how to win right now with what this kind of a I don't want to say a new team, but kind of Green Bay's learning how to win games like that, which is great this time of year. With still one of the top three quarterbacks in the NFL, that's a good problem to have. I'm surprised their defense got lit up like that against New England. 
they, yeah, they gave up a lot of yards on the ground. New England didn't do anything through the air. Even the touchdown was a good two, three Never seconds do. after the play clock. They're just like the, shouldn't have counted. It's, it's like the Colts, the Steelers, the Patriots. Like, catch up to the times here. Like, it's not about – I know you – I don't want you, – you need to run the ball in the fourth quarter to win the game. You got to throw to score. Oh, soft Jim Monas, they call him. No, but I like defense. I just like quarterbacks and defense. All right, go ahead. Bill Belichick against really good quarterbacks is always on his A game or close to. I mean, I can't get last year's game against Tampa out of my head where Tom Brady didn't really know what he was looking at. I know Brady made the plays he had to at the end, but as we've noted, it was Jonathan Jones getting hurt for one play. Brady sees Justin Bethel in the slot. Boom, first down, beautiful. But Belichick was going to be up for this game against Aaron Rodgers. I think that Belichick loves the historical significance of playing at Lambeau Field. I mean, he was going on and on about Lombardi, Lambeau. Like, he is, like – He loves the he loves the game. Personified. Right. Oh, he does – just go, he knows going to that field what it means. So he Because he knows the, the players and the coaches have, who have been in that bowl, and it means a he lot res- to him. He respects it. He respects the He respects the NFL. So you combine that with a really sound game plan for Aaron Rodgers and trying to get inside of his head. I mean, that pick six that Aaron Rodgers had at the end of the first half. I think I tweeted, it was like watching somebody drink wine in the stands in Wisconsin. Like you just don't see it. You don't, you don't see picks in general, That's let alone pick six, let alone one at the end of a half when Aaron Rodgers is just spot on. It was crazy, but that's the Belichick effect. Rodgers looked terrible in the first half. He looked awful. Uh, hard to believe. But you know what? You just this is why. I can't. Go ahead. I want to wear a, a Where's Waldo outfit to Lambeau Field in the stands, and I want to drink red wine with a Where's Waldo outfit on. That is a great. You're right. That is a great. That was that crazy of a scene. Rogers doesn't throw picks like that. Never. And if you're drinking wine at Lambeau, I'm going to have one of my buddies back there, uh, Kyle Cousineau, Tommy Kanegi. I still got a lot of locals I keep it. To- they might have to just kick your ass, Jim, if that happens. Well, I, did, I said I was going to wear a Waldo outfit, too. I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm inviting an ass kicking by that. Packer fans, they're, they're, they won't kick your ass. They'll just they'll just get drunk with you. They don't they don't do that to opposing fans, let alone Waldo impersonators. So I think you're good. All right, but my point being, like, yeah. the fact that in the second half, the offense turned it on. I mean, Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon combined for, like, 200 yards. But That this, combination is – I love that running back combo. Love it. It all starts there. And the commitment's there from the coach, from the quarterback, which was a question going in. And I, it just – it felt like a turning point uh, for the receivers because, you know, week one was just – combobulation everywhere in Minneapolis. Uh, In this game, you had, I mean, look at it. You had Romeo Dobbs, you know, catching a 40-yard touchdown, which looked like, you know, the play of the game, the biggest moment of his career. And what happens? He loses it at the last split second. But it didn't just... It didn't just murder his confidence. I mean, he had two big plays in overtime. It was just an eight-yarder or nine-yarder, but two little plays that got him closer to field goal range. And then bigger than that, I wrote about this uh, the morning after our column. that's up at golongtd.com. But Alan's art, he's the number one. And I think 
you're seeing that, that, that trust in Lazard growing from Aaron Rodgers, which, you know, he's a quarterback with trust issues. If you drop a ball, if you make a mistake, you know, you're liable to be ignored for two, three quarters where he trusts Lazard. Like he, and Lazard is where he has to be, when he has to be there. He's not a burner. He's not going to be blowing past people. If he can get separation. He can get open over hundred yards, huge 22 yarder to start things uh, in overtime when they're backed up on their own end. So I don't know. Like I, I felt like, yeah, it's, you know, they, they didn't cover and it went to overtime and you're playing a third string quarterback and it's ugly, but get used to it, Packer fans, because you're going to win ugly. Like that's just what, that's the deal they kind of made going into this season. That, that, and that's okay. I, if I'm Green Bay, I'd rather be winning this way than just blowing teams out. You know, collect your wins I'm this time, however you can get them. Oh, Tyler. They win. You know what? That's all that matters. Um, yeah, sorry, we just lost you, you a just, couple the, seconds, sir. Yeah, you paw, You froze on – yeah, you paused quick. I was just <laughs> saying – I didn't know either. Um, however you get that win, get the win. Like, and, and keep figuring it out next week, you know, and then we'll talk more about that with Buffalo. But um, Lazard, you just described Marcus Colston. That is a fantastic just, comparison for Alan Lazard. When you, the way you just described Lazard, that the way you were describing is how I, as soon as, as soon as Colston, as soon as Breeze, as soon as he trusted Colston, his career, it took off. And he, Colston's not a burner. So that was such a great man, point, Jim. Keep talking, exactly. I got to tweet that out. That was, that was a great point by you just now. Go ahead. I'm going to keep talking then. Yeah, you keep, I talking. Won't keep, have keep making more. great points. Well, let's go with, let's go back. You just said too. get, get out the fact that you're not going to blow teams out anymore. And in the gambling world, we always have that saying, good teams win, great teams cover. Maybe Green Bay, Green Bay at one point was a great team. When you're the number one seed, you are a you're a damn you're a damn good team. Yeah. Right now, you're fighting. You're a new team. You're learning. I was thinking about watching yesterday with Rodgers and Devontae Adams, like how they're I'm sitting there looking at that Raiders game yesterday and thinking, man, how did they not want to at least try one more time? Like to get, I always think about that with like Kyrie Irving and LeBron. Like, why wouldn't you guys just want to stay together? I mean, it's just it's tough to but yeah, they have their reasons and they're both figuring it out, you know, in the yeah. new places. But I'm kind of impressed with Green Bay winning that game and not falling apart and not getting nervous. Or I, I think that's a good win for not. I, I'm just anytime you can find ways to win that you're not used to or not accustomed to, that shows a sign of a well coached team that believes in each other. And Green Bay's doing some, they're, they're still, they're intriguing. They're still intriguing. If these young guys keep taking steps, like you're saying, and if you can just rely on those two running backs to keep fighting and getting you through the tough, you know, as these guys grow together on the outside, I wish Sammy would have stayed healthy, Sammy Watkins, just to see if he would have helped. But that's the story back. of his career. But um, yeah, he's which, always back. He might come back at the best time because it's not like, yeah. hmm, good point. He does come back. I know we're, you're right. We might be talking about – I wonder in, like, five years if we're going to be like, this Sammy Watkins could give them a little boost this year. He was great at Clemson. <laughs> I feel like, <laughs> man, he was so good at Clemson. Yeah, it's just 
this is a weird but, um, place to be for the Packers, but they, you know, Aaron Rodgers is a above average quarterback right now. When you look at all the quarterback play a quarter into the season, he's been above average. That's not a slight. That is the way the team is built to win. You play off of your defense. You play off of your run game. He's he playing, doesn't need to make the crazy plays. There you go. He's playing above average when we're used to special Mahomes and Josh Allen every game. And look at it, case in point, like the two plays that stood out more than any plays from week four, J- Josh Allen late against Baltimore. He's dead to rights. He somehow escapes. He rolls left and throw you know, twist his torso around and gun it to a, a dude that's covered tight along the sideline. And you think that's crazy. Then you see what Patrick Mahomes did down in, down <laughs> so in Tampa. Well, I mean, they're, <laughs> I don't even need to reference. Everybody knows. I mean, when you freeze the frame, there's one point where Mahomes is just like, it looks like he's dead to rise. And the player that he throws to is just in the middle of a, a cluster, you know, what of players. And somehow he gets right up to that line and just bops it How? over. How? How? But Aaron Rodgers isn't going to make those plays anymore. Physically. I mean, you can't at his age, but if he can make that throw that they need late in the game, when they he keep can. the game close, there's gonna be a lot of close games. I think that's uh hey, I mean, Peyton Manning wasn't Peyton Manning by the end, and they still won a Super Bowl. I don't think Rodgers is that bad. He's not that broken down. 2015 oh, Peyton Manning. No, 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 no. Not Rogers even close. Top. No, no, no. I, I'm just close. saying that there's that's good comparison. That's good though. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Don't it's not Drew Brees. Yeah, Drew Brees was a a couple a turnover away from being in the NFC championship game this last year. Right? He he was not the same breeze. No. It's probably the more at comparison there. Uh, oh, do you want to lead to my next – you keep leading to the next thing because you're going to take me to another – the Saints. We got to talk about the Saints. I think they – you know what? Just roll with Andy Dalton, please. He's had a better career than James Winston. He's more reliable than Winston. You can't win with James Winston. I'm sorry. You're never going to win with James Winston. The injuries, injury. It's just too. It's just too roller coastery, and there's just too much, too much in general with him. Not. The, I'm not saying he can't throw the football. Yes, Jameis Winston can throw the football. More to it than that. Well, I, I mean, I think the point is almost the same as what you see in Green Bay. I mean, the Saints have a Super Bowl caliber defense. I feel bad for their defense watching games sometimes. I mean, if, if they're not, they're right up there. Demario Davis. Why? Why do they, not we not talk about him as one of the best linebackers? He's unbelievable. Every, and Tyler, he's been that way for a long time. And the Saints, and the one common thing you see on their defense, we always talk about junkyard dogs. That's all you want when you're scouting players. Just JYD nasty guys all all across the board, especially on defense. They have it. Their yeah. secondary is nasty. Like linebackers, nasty. D line, nasty. They are tough every position. Like. Punch you in the mouth, tough physical players. I think they are Super Bowl caliber defense. You sent me that text yesterday. I thought you, were, I thought it was dead on. You almost feel bad for it. And I text what I texted you back. Almost felt a little bit like our 2014 Buffalo Bill defense. Yeah, yeah. Where I knew we had a Super Bowl caliber defense. We did. You shut down Aaron Rodgers. You we shut did. down Peyton no, we Manning when Manning was Jerry still Schwartz. really good. Yes, we had it. We had it. We had that defense. Mario, Darius, Kaya Williams, Jerry Hughes, that T-line. Secondary. Yeah. Gilmore, name it. 
Name it. Aaron Williams. I love Aaron Williams. Name it. It was legit, legit defense. Yeah. It's the famous defense that Rex said wasn't good enough. <laughs> anyway. All right. Not to it's, get uh, no, I mean, I think that you're right. I mean, Marshawn Lattimore, Davis. You've, I mean, even on Mark Davenport. Um, and then the guy, the receiver they drafted, we talked about him last week, but he is incredible. They are like, offensive line, like rock solid. I mean, they are a, they're a quarterback away. <laughs> we just, it's the same thing we keep talking about every team. It's, you can have all these great players. But they, at least in the short term, you're right. This is coming from a, uh, a very, I'm on record after being very pro Jameis. But the turnover, the turnovers, like with that defense, you can't risk it. You could get by. It. You could win some games. You could make the playoffs with Andy Dalton as your quarterback. No question. He's done it before. I, and I'm not, and I, I think you roll the dice with Dalton the rest of the way. See what you got. Um, you know, Minnesota, I guess. It was I don't know league. what to think, man, Tyler. Um, I I was kind of I got a little excited early to see you know new coach and you know you're I'm not saying you painted a good picture of how they needed to move on, but the the one thing I'm not sure can is Kirk Cousins. I don't know, man. I just don't know. And are he did not look defense, good. Yeah, their defense is playing better. It just I think we're seeing a. Um, We've talked about this, though. They're kind of top-heavy with their roster because you almost cut the entire 2021 Rick Spielman draft class, yet you retain Cousins, you retain some some good players in Jefferson, Thielen, Kendricks. Um, you signed Darius Smith. You've got Daniel Hunter, Harrison Smith. Like, there's there's a nucleus there where oh, this team can contend. I mean, they just they pounded the Packers. Uh, and then you look beyond that core, and there's a pretty significant drop-off to – some other positions, but mainly to the depth. Like they've got, a, they get a couple injuries and I think they could get exposed. It, all I'm going to say is like, that's a game Mike Zimmer's teams lose, right? Like we're, that's, they're like in control. That. Things like go that. south. In the past, the Vikings just lose that game. And they didn't, they won. They rallied. I felt that way about a couple teams yesterday that, and the opposite for some other teams where I thought the code, you know, it's like, those are like, I, I felt that way about Detroit. Like you're not where you need to be yet. Like those aren't, you can't be, if you think you're heading in the right direction, you look just lost to Seattle at home. I'm sorry that you have some issues still. Like you have some major issues, but yeah, to your point, good win for Minnesota, get the win however you can. All right. Let's, um, I'm going to pull up the, uh, the old docket here. Do you want to rapid fire some of these games? Yeah, real quick. Here's a couple things I wanted to talk about. Ron Rivera. Hey, I'm sorry, man. Tyler Heineke, he did a great, great job for that team and organization. That team loves him. And I've talked about this. One of the key things as a franchise quarterback or a starting quarterback in general is have the rest of your team want to kill for you. Like they do have that mentality for a guy they believe in. That team believed in Taylor Heineke. Yeah. How did that organization decide that? What I guess what I, my point with Carson Wentz and Heineke, why was the job just given to Wentz? That, why didn't he have to earn that job? Why wouldn't the job be given to Heineke? Let Wentz, let, let Heineke fail first because that team was showing signs last year. They were a fun team. They were a fun yeah. team for me to gamble on. 
Washington. I, I, I knew what I was getting with them because Heineke was that receiving core that Washington has right now is legit tough, tight end, tough it is. offensive line, a little shaky. Um, but Carson Wentz, it's enough. It's enough. It's enough. But, I'm, I'm but totally my, I don't want to get in on Wentz. I want to get in on how that organization decided to just hand Wentz the job. That's wrong. That's wrong. That was wrong. And Rivera to let that happen to Rivera. You know, respect him for sure. But I got to look at Ron Rivera's uh, track record without Cam Newton. I always have to make sure I got to look at that a little bit. It was a move, I think, that really just shocked most of the football world. To just that, maybe not the fact that they acquired Carson Wentz, but they did it really fast, right? It was one of the first dominoes that fell. It was like fast, and and they got the guy that they've been dying for for years. Like it's your job, it's your team, and what? What you just had a guy that? Right. I mean, I don't know. That's strange to me. Here's your stat. Of the that day. may have come from. Uh, go ahead. I was going to say so they lost twenty five to ten to the Dallas Cowboys, the Commanders. Oh, that that's is that's gross. All right. Here's here's how much Cooper Rush is making this year. One point zero three five million. Here's how much Carson Wentz is making this year. Twenty eight point twenty nine million. And Cooper Rush outplayed him. Hey, we've been killing Mike McCarthy on this pod on this site. Um, you know, we've seen his Packer teams go into the tank whenever Aaron Rodgers goes down. You know, it just seemed like the whole team just ugh. I mean, they just kind of just just sagged in every possible way. I mean, so covering some of those games, it was, it was just brutal. Um, Dallas is three. No, without Dak Prescott, I get it. You know, that not exactly murderers row, but they, they've been winning. Cooper rush is playing well defensively. This is the first time since 1973 that they've held opponents to 19 points or less in their first four games. They've got a star in Micah Parsons. And now you, I mean, if I'm Dallas, I ain't rushing Dak Prescott back. I'm letting that thumb heal, 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 heal. Uh, but they're going to be in good shape when he comes back. Of course, Jerry Jones is, has been dropping the breadcrumbs at maybe there's a quarterback competition looming. Get the hell out of here, Jerry. Like, <laughs> no, <laughs> Mike McCarthy comes out and says, no, it's Dak Prescott's team. But it he's is. playing it well, is. but that's, that's the oh, job of a backup. That's what I was just going to say. What you? This is where you should feel good if you're Dallas. You you know, we've talked, we've talked about backup quarterbacks a lot. You know, I, I, I love, I think it's important to have huge um, because you want that guy to keep you afloat until Dak gets back. And then you, if you do better than that, that's just, that's just icing. And, and what they're getting right now, if Dak comes back and this thing starts clicking and the offensive line comes back a little bit healthier and you get the running game going and Dak gets back even more, you're fighting again. Now, now you're in competition. Because that defense, Dan Quinn's done a nice job there. We, you know, he's really – they, they've made stri- – uh, well, it helps when you have Harrisburg PAs, Micah Parsons. Hey, that draft pick, you know, Will McClay, whoever's behind that. I like that you – I like that you at least mentioned – I like that you mentioned Will McClay. He doesn't get – I mean, doesn't get nearly – Well, because everybody just deserves. talks about Steven and Jerry Jones being the GMs and right. – Probably I just I don't, I don't even I really don't know Will McClay I just but I feel bad no I for him, my right? point I mean, is behind I like the scenes you, think about the fires like he has the, to put out yeah I like that you just 
bring in a personnel guy that I, I promise you those personnel guys are doing some good work in Dallas. I know a lot of those guys, they, I, I've always respected their organization as a scouting staff and um, that it's more than Jerry and Steven. And well, think about how difficult it is to do your job. You know, if you're, if you're in Will McClay's seat, anybody that's higher up in that front office, when oh, like you study these players, you know, oh. the good, the good prospects versus the bad prospects. And, you know, your boss, who just happens to be one of the richest human beings in the country, is trying to make picks, has anointed himself the general manager, and has the final say. How do you challenge that person, right? Like, it pays to kiss that person's ass. It pays to be a yes man or yes woman. Like, for your livelihood, for your family's livelihood, so you have, you know, food on your plate. Like, it pays for you to, yes, Jerry, you're right. When you know he could be dead wrong. I mean, this is somebody who wanted to draft Johnny Manziel. Instead of Zach Martin, and get talked out of that. And then he wanted he wanted Paxton Lynch, right? And it was almost in tears that he didn't get Paxton Lynch. Um, and the, the draft that they get Dak Prescott. So I just I just feel for those people in personality. Like you, you guys are the ones watching film all day, all night. You know these prospects. Well, like Jerry's just kind of bopping in, bopping out. Like dude, going around his helicopter. Yeah, he is the final say. It's, it's got to be tough to challenge that person with that much power. Well, to you know, when you, it's funny, I was thinking about when you say bring up Paxton Lynch, it goes to your point where if you just watch film on Paxton Lynch and see him work out, you're drafting him high. But then when you study, we, we found this out. Our scouts told us in about in a week when you interview him, you realize there was a little bit of a learning curve for Paxton Lynch as far as how sophisticated an offense can he handle? What kind of defenses has he seen? How much does he really love and know football? And it wasn't checking out. Um, we spent a lot of time with him. We sent Greg Roman and, and uh, David Lee at the time, but we, we, they spent time with him, pro days, all that. Because he was talented, but you have to cut – you got him. You got to walk away because if it's not – yeah. You can see why Jerry Jones fell in love with him then. You can see why, but you can also see that he, you know, hopefully but That's what I'm saying. That's why you need, you need somebody who actually – is a football person yeah. running your team. That was a perfect example. And, yes. As excited as you want to get about the Cowboys, I just can't get past that. I don't see them winning a the Super Bowl. I see things ending in a tire fire one way or another because of the structure of the organization. But credit where credit's due. Hey, I've been really harsh. We have to, we have to give Dallas a little credit down there. Uh, all Before right. I forget, another thing really just to get off my mind that do we it. had a no, little discussion about – Sam Darnold and um, Baker Mayfield. And I said, Darnold might be better. And you were like, whatever bottom line is we shouldn't, we, if we're debating on who's better between Baker and, um, (laughs) and Darnold bad, bad for everybody involved. It, it doesn't matter which one you're playing. It's not going to be good enough. They, they both had played themselves into a, I hate to say it, a, a, backup role almost in the NFL it's how they're starting to look I don't feel like I just don't man it's hard to watch those guys play it and Matt Rule that offense is like oh I thought Carolina's offense I think they have more talent than they're showing um they're hard to watch I was I was high on Carolina I thought there was a chance mm-hmm. it's not working then Matt Rule I'm not blaming it on Rule I'm not blaming it on Baker but it's not working Christian McCaffrey had a 34-yard reception. Beyond that, the passing game was basically non-existent. I mean, there really wasn't anything. And look at that. And look at those skill guys they have. How can that passing game be non-existent? 
Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore. Yeah. And, you know, Christian McCaffrey has eight carries. Uh, I know know he had the nine catches, but maybe it's It's, worth giving him more than those eight carries. I think so. I think he needs more touches. That's why you draft him as high as you did. I know McDermott wasn't – McDermott wasn't real – like he wasn't in love with – when we were picking high that year. And McCaffrey may have been, you know, he went before us anyway, but we talked about him. Obviously he's there. I love, I mean, we all love, everybody loves McCaffrey, but I remember Sean, like giving a little, he wasn't like in love with, with that pick. If we had to take him, I think it was because of what is he, you know, you have to have a, where like, you have to have a vision for him to draft him. You need a, You better have the vision for him. Cause he's never going to be your every day. You know, you're not going to pound him 25 times a game. I don't know if anybody does that in the NFL anymore anyway, but like I picture Sean Payton, you know, with, with Christian McCaffrey, like, and Drew Brees it'd be like unbelievable what the stats he probably have almost like Camaro, you know, they knew how to, they know how to use certain guys. I don't know if they know how to – like, I just don't know if they have a plan for McCaffrey right now. You don't trust Ben McAdoo to figure that out? No, oh, that's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> I don't see things turning around in Carolina. And, yeah, Baker Mayfield hasn't been great, but you watch their offense, and like, and um, Dan Orlovsky pointed this out. Like, he's just – like, simple things that I – I would know like the way the, the players are aligned, like in the backfield are complete tells to what they're going to do. Yeah, I heard him talking about that. I heard him talking about that. It just seems very simplistic and it does. And, it does. It, it seems like a high school thing. Yeah. Yeah. All right. How about, uh, let's see. We didn't touch on the, to the bills quick on, a, on another. Oh yeah. Pod, let's do yeah. Bills, yeah. No, no, we'll, we'll do, we'll catch up, catch up on there uh, on, on a separate app real quick. But yeah, Chiefs Bucks, 41-31. Mahomes had the crazy play. Tampa just threw pretty much every down. I'm not, but I told we talked all year. I, I was I've been skeptical in Tampa all year. I, I do I mean, I'm not saying they're not. When I say skeptical, I'm saying, are they really good enough to win a Super Bowl? I don't know. It's a lot to ask of Brady. There was a couple of times last night when I was like, I wonder if Brady just wants to be done. Like if he's starting to think like. Maybe not. I don't know. I just can't. Every time I watch him, I just can't understand how he's still doing it. Like when he gets hit. At what cost? We'll never know. At what cost? Family-wise. God. uh, Something's up there. But I'm I'm shocked that their defense was this bad last night. The Chiefs are. Look, at the end of the day, this is a long season. The Chiefs are fine. The Bills are fine. Like – Raven, the same teams we talked about before the season are going to be battling at the end. You know, I, I'm not sure if the Chargers are the next team, you know, do the Bengals. I'm trying to think who's going to crack the Bills Chiefs kind of, who's going to try to sneak in there. I don't know who. Hmm. I got a team for you. Can't wait. My Cincinnati Bengals. They're figuring it out, Jim. A little, little slow start. You know, we didn't talk about that Thursday night game. All right, let's do this then. How about we instead? You know, there's we didn't touch on some of the games here, but that's that's fine. Um, let, let we got let. All right, the, there's the game itself, and then there's the game within the game that probably isn't even talked about enough when it comes to concussions and how they're dealt with. Um, the game itself, 
I mean, Cincinnati at home against an injured Miami team. Burrow looked like Burrow. T. Higgins, I mean, is I like a legit him. number one in his own right. Lo- I mean, look, they're loaded on offense. We don't have to. I mean, right, they're loaded on offense. I just – their defense should be – you know, their defense will figure things out. They're, yes, I'm, I'm with you on the Bengals as being one of those teams, yeah. I love their defense. I mean, even when they were, you know, they lost to the the, the Steelers. I mean, their defense looked. looked oh great. yeah, their defense was. No, I think I'm, they're one of those teams that they'll figure it out. It's a long year. I just think it's that hard to crack. The, I still think it's going to be hard to crack those guys. But yes, if you have Burrow, if you have Herbert, you have you are you have put yourself into that ability to compete with Buffalo and KC. But I mean, the big news: another back injury for Tua Tonga Viola, Jim. Those tricky, tricky backs. Oh, I don't even want to laugh. I, I, I shouldn't joke around. It was so. I'm, I'm, that was a great line because you're right. It's, it's hard uh, to believe that they tried to pass that off. And I hate. To, I don't. I, the last thing I want to do is play Twitter doctor because I know. I mean, I saw the play against Buffalo too. It looks like his head hits the turf. He gets up. He wobbles around. It. I mean, it sure looks like this guy suffered some head trauma. But we're if we're gonna take. I mean, unless Mike McDaniel just blatantly lying to everybody. Too much unknown for us to – we just don't know. But My takeaway is this, though. You've got an NFL and an NFLPA joint investigation, right? So the union, they're looking out for the players' best interests, should be. And that independent, you know, neurologist, you know, the UNC has already been whacked. I'll just say this when it comes to all things NFL, PA, NFL, at the end of the day, the bottom line is the bottom line, right? Like they, at the end of the day, I think that both sides know concussions are bad for football and the branding of football. And I sure as hell hope that the NFL PA is going to do everything in their power to look out for players that aren't going to look out for themselves. Cause these guys want to stay on the field. Like they're going to, there's too much on the line. There's too much money. You know, guys don't want to lose their jobs. You've lived in that world. Um, but when this went down Thursday night, Ryan Leaf, you know, f- friend of the program here, we, we've had him on, or I had a conversation with him. We put it on the podcast feed and it was chilling to hear Ryan Leaf talk about concussions and the effects it does or has on you when you're done playing. I mean, he, he went through depression, addiction, so much that's well-documented and it's an ongoing battle. But the NFLPA had a tweet out, This is the NFLPA's account. They said, player health and safety is at the core of the union's mission. Our concern tonight is for Tua, and we hope for a full and speedy recovery. Our investigation into the potential protocol violation is ongoing. So Ryan, quote, tweets this, earmuffs for the kids out there. In all caps, he says, the fuck it is. Stop pushing out your and the NFL's propaganda. You are just as complicit in what happened. How do you look at yourselves in the mirror? So this obviously elicited quite a bit of reaction. Like, I think, you know, if you're just a general fan, consumer of the sport, it's like, oh, yeah, of course the union's looking after the players. Like, and of course they're battling, duking it out with the league at every turn, right. like any corporation, any union. Well, it's different when it comes to concussions. It, it, it is different, Jim, because my brain right away went to 2016, sitting down with Chris Borland. I think it was the first story I wrote at Bleach Report after they hired me as a features writer, you know, it was a year after he stepped away from football, shocked the world. I mean, one of the 
most promising young linebackers is just quitting football because of concussion concerns. So the story is like how he's kind of moving on in life, his thoughts about the future of the NFL. And he made this point, and I heard from the NFLPA after I wrote this. Uh, Borland said that in 2012, so this is a full year before League of Denial comes out, the documentary and the book, which that's really what changed the way everybody looks at concussions and made us take it more seriously. 2012, he said the NFLPA was set to release a 94-page document to the players that detailed the long-term effects of concussions, and it never saw the light of day. Quote, it was too damning, Borland said. It revealed too much. The whole intent was to inform players, and players don't see it. Um, I don't know, it was a few days after this, I heard from somebody with the NFLPA, and I, I tried I tried to reach out to the, the Players Association, and I never heard back. Uh but they said, oh, they were trying, kind of kind of fishing. Where'd you hear this? Like, it's totally false. So they said it was false. Yeah, fig- yeah but kind of, kind of trying to figure out, like, where, where, where did this come from you know, at the same time? It doesn't seem like um, something he would, he would make up. My point, be skeptical. Yeah. Concussions, oh, yeah, NFL, I don't yes. care what, how many documentaries come out, how many Will Smith movies come out. Like, we should be, like, at the, cause, because it, this is the one thing that can still threaten there the brand go. and threaten the, the shield. Old, almost the only, the only thing. Totally. I mean, look at everything that they've gone through. They've gone through, you know, Adrian Peterson beating his kid, Ray Rice. Done, beating his, done, like, right. All this moving stuff. on. We're keep, keep the train. Right. It's just the freight train. It just keeps going. Train train. One thing. Exactly. Because that scene of Tua, you know, his fingers and his arms locking yeah. up and he gets taken out on a stretcher. How many moms out there want their kids to play when they see that? No, and the reactions from the former players the next day on the you know I saw like Rob Ninkovich tearing up and those guys it's it's frightening they they know how they know how scary that is and then to think that it could have been misdiagnosed or there was something going that's the parts I just you know we like we said we don't know enough medically how how do you misdiagnose what was the protocol what was done so scary but. Um, there's just no way to think to see him go through that after a couple days, after, you know, from Sunday to Thursday, knowing that he probably hadn't even recovered from Sunday. Right. That's the, that's yeah. So anyway, scary, scary. Right. I, you hope that the dolphins didn't, you know, I hope so. Cause I do like convince Chris independent PM, neurologist like to make coach, a like yeah. that. Two will be interviewed. Mike McDaniel. It could get messy, um, fast. But um, on the field, it's a shame. I thought Tua was playing really well. Was. Oh, and I back you up on your. Um, I know you put that one little thing on that one throw that he made. Um, oh yeah, it, right. That would have been a. I give him two points on that one. Right. So, I know you were. That was a hell of a throw. A lot he of dropped that. He and clutter dropped it right over a guy on, and he couldn't have gone it anywhere else. Now you could maybe just you could maybe argue if he should or shouldn't have thrown the ball into that much coverage, but hell of a throw. Yeah, that's a. It was a, a pretty innocuous, you know. It wasn't even analysis. Just saying, oh, Tua was playing really damn well before. Holy cow, he's a content machine, man. It doesn't matter what you say about Tua, People good or bad. They want to just. Disc- I, I can't get over up. him. We I kept saying, just he's oh, just lower your expectations. He's good. He's good. He's a good quarterback. 
All right, that's going to do it for this wrap-up. Check out the extra abbreviated podcast in your feed for a little Bill's talk. Uh, Thank you so much for listening, everyone.